0: Welcome to Inside Parliament, it's our weekly catch-up of the stories that we've been covering on One News. We're coming to you from the legendary TVNZ Beehive studio, and it's the first birthday of our podcast, hence Yay. the beautiful cake that we're very excited about eating when we can finally get some cutlery. Um, we also have a brand new gallery team now, um, so I'm Jessica much.:
1: Benedict Collins.
0: Mikey Sherman. So we, Mikey has joined us this week and um, that makes up our, bolsters our numbers, which is very exciting. We also had a, a very exciting poll this week, which was really interesting. So have a look at that. This poll looks at how things have gone with Winston Peters in charge. So let's look at the numbers. National is dominating again on 45. It's stayed around this number since the election. Labour has dropped one point, but is still nipping at nationals' heels on 42. The Greens are up, now on 6%. A big change from the last poll. New Zealand First is back in the game, hitting the magical 5% mark. The Māori Party isn't in Parliament anymore, but is still registering with voters on 1%. Let's look at how these numbers translate to seats in Parliament and who's in power. Add together Nationals 55 and Acts 1 and it's not enough. They fall short of the 61 seats needed to govern. But Labour plus the Greens plus New Zealand First and they'll get there and have the numbers to form a government. Switching to preferred Prime Minister now. While Jacinda Ardern has been on leave, she's dropped one point but is still very popular with 40%. Not good news for the leader of the opposition, though. He's been working hard to cement his position, but has dropped to 10%. Winston Peters has been filling in, and that's showed he's up slightly to 5%. So an interesting snapshot of how things are looking while Jacinda Ardern's been on maternity leave. Touching down in Wellington to begin a new chapter of her prime ministership. That's one flight down, probably a few more hundred to go. Even without its leader in the limelight, the party has stayed steady. The numbers show that your party's actually done quite well without you being there. What do you think that says? (laughs) Well, actually, do you know, I'm... I'm pleased about that, you know, the fact that we have demonstrated steady numbers as a government as a whole. But National is still riding high despite ten months in opposition.
1: We've still got incredibly strong support. I think that is a reflection on the economy and the slowdown.
0: There's been a slowdown in support for the National leader too. The charm offensive hasn't worked and he's dropped two points.
1: Here I am today, Simon Bridges, leader of the National Party. Time to step things up.
0: The poll was taken during the National Party conference, when the focus is on Simon Bridges, and still no bounce.
1: This is very early days for me. I'm a new leader. I'm five months in. You know, I'm right at the start of not not so long since an election. Um, I know that this isn't going to be handed to me on a platter.
0: Judith Collins is still registering two percent in our preferred prime minister stakes and John Key is too.
1: Well, he, he, he's the
0: face of the future. Winston Peters has been in the driving seat and people have been fairly unfazed. We asked how would you rate Winston Peters' recent performance as acting prime minister? Just over a quarter think he's done a good job. 57% say he's done okay. 6% say it was bad and the rest don't know.
2: So here we've got 140 kilowatts of power.
0: Power that's up for grabs in just over two years time. So the big thing with that is, yeah, there weren't huge, big number Mm -hmm. changes, but that's interesting in itself. We had Simon Bridges not resonating and we had Labour and the coalition doing fairly well despite her being there. So those are sort of the big takeaways from that, and interesting where we are in the political cycle.
1: Yeah. I've always felt that it's been like, uh, when it comes to being the preferred Prime Minister poll, it's always been quite an advantage, actually, to be the Prime Minister. (laughs) Uh, You know, don't you think that kind of... how, How important do you think that... You know, question is the preferred Prime Minister.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is about name recognition, of yeah. course, because we say to people, um, who do you, would you like to see as Prime Minister? And it's not prompted. We don't say to them, um, you know, Jacinda Ardern, Simon Bridges. So it's a bit about name recognition. Mm. But I guess in contrast, people like John Key and Jacinda Ardern started around that 30 mark and preferred Prime Minister. The likes of David Shearer, Cunliffe, Andrew Little, they started around that 10 mark. Not exclusively, um, people like Helen Clark and perhaps Bolger were a bit of an exception. They did go on to become PM, but that's that's what we're dealing with in, in sort of recent history. What stood out for you, though? What were you? What were the things that you? Were- you sort of thought well I think
2: that you know how important is it um, in terms of those preferred Prime Minister numbers I think they're important if for the opposition leader in particular if you want to keep the vultures at bay (laughs) uh, within your own party um, because we know that you know uh, once the numbers start plummeting people can become scratchy within your caucus and then that's when the people like the media start rattling the cages around whether or not there is some sort of discontent there um, in the party caucus with the, the leader if he's not performing in those polls. So um, I think that Simon Bridges um, would be wary if he if he drops anything into
0: single digits. That would be um, alarming. And, and he's pretty part, close. Yeah. yeah, But I, I yeah. think as important as that is that the party is doing so well. So if the party wasn't so strong, still even after 10 months in opposition, not um, polling as the biggest party, then you might have those sharks coming in a little bit Mm. closer to sniff around for blood. But I feel like at the moment, because the party's doing well, they'll throw him a bone. He's done it for five months. But he's been working hard. He's been getting out and about. He had the boost from the conference because we were basically polling through the conference. So... Not I actually
2: liked his campaign. Um, did you guys like it with, with the drums and, oh, you the, know, the video! Um, I married yeah. a lefty and, <laughs> yeah. and we had kids and we met in the middle. I mean, I actually, I actually thought that was quite well executed. I have to say
0: there were a few moments that I was a bit like, ooh, a little bit cringy. <laughs> but, um, I mean, putting it together, it was a really well-produced thing. But I think it almost feels like this slightly embarrassing dad thing We are just <laughs> yeah. a bit like, ooh. Um, some moments are like, ah. Oh, yeah, that looked cool. Other moments you're like, oh, no, that doesn't it was, well. it was a
2: big decision to go with the drumming, yeah. I will admit. But um, who knew? But, you know. You hey. know who knew mm. that
0: he was a drummer? This is this is brand new information. And it was great to be able to play um, that again. Let me tell you, that was that was definitely a highlight. Yeah. Um, also, just worth noting, I think, in that poll stuff too, is Winston Peters got a little bit of a boost because he's had the megaphone for the last little while and New Zealand First is back in the game and on those numbers, and um, he got a boost as well as preferred Prime Minister, so he'll probably be feeling reasonably well, happy.
1: Are you surprised to see Nationals staying so steady, you know, in that really high, well, well mid-40s, but, you know, just staying steady there now that they're up in, in opposition, you know, they're, they're sort of taking on that, you know, what oppositions do, they're complaining and they're criticising they're not actually able to do anything. Are yeah, I reckon to it's, see them
0: it's, stay there? Yeah, and it's extraordinary after 10 mm. months in opposition that they're still that strong. I guess the problem is they have no friends, and that's that's the thing. Um, Act is what, 1.1%, that's relatively um, high compared to what Act's got before, but it's still, they're not even bringing in that second seat. So you know what I mean? I think that, yeah, they're doing really well, but who's going to come in with them? And that's their big headache and their big nightmare.
2: And that's the lesson, I guess, is to um, make sure you have friends on the playground, kids.
0: Yeah, play nice. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah. at least make sure your friends are big enough to be able to hold the, their own. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I would, have thought, maybe,
1: <laughs> yeah, I would have thought maybe you know, post-baby as well, Labour might have had a little bit of a boost there as well. But yeah,
0: think... and that's another really interesting... And they didn't. And mm-hmm. that's the thing. I mean, the coalition um, held its own um, when you look at it. And that's the debate as well. Do you just focus on Labour? Or do you focus on Labour and the Greens and New Zealand First? Uh, it's a, you know, it's when it comes to it, maybe you just have to judge Labour by itself because there's yeah. no guarantee where New Zealand First will go afterwards. Even the Greens. Yeah, yeah and that's the, the, the thing. So you assume that, that they're a package deal, but I mean, I guess you kind of can with the Greens, but it's harder with New Zealand First and it's not a given. So it's it's interesting. But um, you had a really interesting story as well this week um, on drug tests, so let's have a look at that.
1: Too stone to work. The reason you can't work is because you elected on Saturday night to smoke a joint. One of the hurdles these days is just passing the drug test. Past national governments viewed drug use among the unemployed as a major problem and introduced tough sanctions. Fail pre-employment drug tests and have your benefits stripped. Of the more than 47,000 people referred for jobs with drug tests in the year ending June, 170 failed. That means for every 277 people referred, there was one failure. The perception around drug testing uh, and beneficiaries has really gone out the window. It actually
2: isn't the dire problem that it was made out to be.
0: The fact that there's a, a, a relatively low
2: failure rate is a good thing. People know their obligations.
1: The Drug Foundation wants the sanctions ditched. Let the numbers speak for themselves, acknowledge that this was always a myth, and let's stop you know, hammering people who are already vulnerable and disadvantaged. In Wellington, public reaction to the fail result was mixed. Wow,
0: I would have thought a crap ton would have failed, eh? I? I
2: wouldn't expect people to be failing drug tests just because they're on the benefit.
0: I thought it mightn't be as high as people thought
1: actually. The government keeps records on how many beneficiaries are referred for jobs that require drug testing, not how many tests are actually carried out. And that 170 fail figure, well that includes people who didn't show up for the test as well. But if job seekers are required to pass drug tests, should our politicians be too Politicians should be drug tested. If it's good enough for beneficiaries and people in hazardous workplaces, well, this is one of the most hazardous workplaces of all. I wouldn't have thought it was justified in the case of Parliament. It's a really good question. I don't have a problem with it. I think it
0: should be up to individual MPs.
1: We've got nothing to hide here. Neither, it appears, do many beneficiaries. Yeah, so i got the, um, the latest year's <laughs> figures. More than 47,000 beneficiaries you know, sent off for jobs that require drug testing. 170 fails and as we pointed out in that story you know that includes people who didn't turn up for the test as well um you know pretty extraordinary that the government puts all this resource into monitoring the drug test results of of you know people on the unemployment benefit and so few are failing um yeah what did you guys think
2: Uh, i thought it was um surprising That it was so low, um, and and that's only because I think there is that perception that's been built up around beneficiaries. Uh, It's not one that I buy into personally, but there is that perception. Even politicians, even the previous government, you could argue, has pushed that perception um, at times. That's right. When
1: they announced this, this, Paula Bennett was saying, oh, we're going to have to, like, there's going to be 16,000 people failing a year. We're going to be having to help them with their, you know, drug rehabilitation or, you know, help them get off drugs and stuff like that. I think it was sixteen thousand. You know, it's it's just not even remotely close to that. It's just you know, extraordinary. Yeah.
0: And I think you showed that by going out and doing what we call voxies, which is going out into the street and just asking people what they think and getting them to have a guess. And most people thought it would be much higher than that. One we had a few halves,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or most of them, yeah. yeah. And it yeah. is,
0: and it is that perception. Um, I also like the idea that if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander, and to do it in here. Um, in Parliament with MPs as well. And actually you had some quite thoughtful answers mm. on that from some of the MPs when you asked them, didn't you? Yeah.
1: Well, one thing I think extraordinary is extraordinary about this is if, if you're on the unemployment benefit and, and, you know, you don't have kids or whatever, they can strip your entire benefit away from you if you fail a drugs test. If you've got kids, they'll take half your money off you. I mean, who who does that punish? You know, the, the person with a, a drug problem or who had some drugs in their system when they, fail you know, failed that test... And, and you, you strip them of half their income, and they've got kids. It, it seems pretty. But you know, I guess the
0: flip side unfair. is Are they are they pa- are people passing the drug test because of that threat as well? So is it a little bit of um, because of the strict thing? So is do you know what I mean? Like there's there's lots of aspects to the story which makes it mm. so interesting. But are people saying, look, of course we'll stick to the rules, and of course we'll do this because the consequences are so. Huge. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's, yeah that's what Nationals um, claiming,
2: isn't it? Um, in terms of the the results here, the low results, um, is is that. Um that sort of hard hand approach does have its benefits in terms of deterrence, um, and so that's what you know they've sort of said and, and they're sticking to it. And you know, when we were sort of talking before about um, are we surprised that National's been able to hold its um, support? Um, I think um, I'm not too surprised because they haven't um, really um, c- come too far away from um, their positions and their policies, and, and that sort of harder approach, which I think resonates, does resonate with quite a few voters.
1: Mm. I think it would be interesting to see, um, you know, I think that deterrent should also be there for our politicians to ensure that they're coming to work drug free, you know, making big decisions that affect us all. But it's um, just, so it's I've, a stigma and,
0: thing, eh? Like it's just the idea of them lining up for a, for a drug test or however you do it, you know what I mean? Yeah, like,
1: that's right. It's sort of fair and it's a yeah. it's a big stick over their head. So, you know, why, yeah. should, why shouldn't politicians be subject to you know, the same conditions that, that beneficiaries are? Yeah. And I'd be interested to see if the, um, the fail rate was still 0.3%.
0: Very interesting indeed Well another um, really interesting story this week Um, Water rights has been something that's been bubbling around for a while And we had a new development So let's have a look at your story first Labour, the
2: latest government caught an illegal tangle over Maori water rights We're seeking a declaration from the Supreme Court In relation to our rights and interests in fresh water Which
1: includes a right to allocation of fresh water
2: Waikato tribe Ngāti Koroki Kahukura claims the government's avoiding the issue of allocation. It's clear now uh, from Minister Parker's uh, presentation to the iwi chairs on Friday that they will not be addressing uh, allocation of fresh water. Will you be willing to talk about allocation of water with Māori?
1: We will be talking initially about water quality. It's
2: not sort of broader than that?
1: Uh, I'm not going to go into it any further.
2: At an urgent hearing six years ago, the Waitangi Tribunal found Māori in 1840 had interests in water akin to ownership, which led Ngāti Koroki Kahukura and the New Zealand Māori Council to take legal action. It ended with the Supreme Court dismissing the case, one of the reasons being specific acknowledgements and assurances by ministers that Māori claims to water will not be prejudiced. The iwi says the government's latest position contradicts that.
1: In New Zealand, anyone's free to go to court to contest their rights.
2: The good news for David Parker is the Iwi Chairs Forum have opted not to join in the legal action, instead wanting to work with government. The bad news is legal action is imminent, and with Labour's record with Māori on water, things could get much worse. It's a tricky situation for Labour which holds all of the Māori seats in Parliament. Māori
1: peace with Labour are always siloed.
2: Well the difference between us and the National Party is, when, is that, is that we, uh, we support democracy. The iwi says it will have legal proceedings filed by October. Yeah, look, this is the story that just keeps on giving. I mean, um, you know, water has um, been a thorn in the side of the previous government, and now we're seeing um, that it's going to create major headaches um, for the Labour government, Um, and I think that David Parker has really opened up a can of worms in terms of um, the way that he's uh, approached the issue, um, particularly around allocation. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this all pans out in the coming months. So I think it's it's going to get uh, much worse um, before it gets any better.
1: Why do you think that? Why do you, why do you think it's a can of worms? Because
2: when it comes to water, it, it's really tricky when you're dealing with Māori. And obviously, you know, not all Māori think the same. They have varying opinions, and we've seen that with the iwi chairs for him, um who haven't necessarily jumped on the Legal bandwagon yet, Um, but um, you know it's fraught with all sort of complications. We saw the Waitangi Tribunal um, uh, saying that um, Maori in 1840 did have um, rights that were akin to ownership, Um, and so it's a it's a it's a it's a political legal minefield. And so when the government's not willing to even engage in that sort of conversation around allocation, that just creates, I think, unnecessary um, tension and, and. and, it, and when it comes to Māori, um, that will end up in court and that adds to the legal bills of the taxpayer and so on. So and it just creates so that flow-on effect, mm. excuse because, the pun.
0: Yeah, yeah, oh, that was nice, <laughs> that was good, I liked that pun. But that's the thing, it's it's such um, a nuanced thing but also almost like a political bomb with this idea that um, people or or certain people own the water and that's what... Um, it's almost like David Packer is on this um, quite precarious tightrope of trying to get his way through it. And we're going to see... Yeah, I just think it's a really interesting topic and, and something... It- Sorry,
1: you and a really touchy subject, eh? For yeah. the touchy, government? Touchy
0: yeah, touchy subject. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, you have to
2: approach it with huge yeah. caution, especially with Labor, how they've got you know all of the Maori seats, um, and, and and this one in terms of allocation isn't necessarily talking about ownership, um, but you know, and it's all those sorts of. Um, trying to be clear with, you know, what are we talking about? Are we talking about ownership? Are we talking about rights and interests? Are we talking about allocation? They're all mm. quite different. Um, but when it comes to the perception of the public, it all seems to to, to scream one thing, ownership, you know. And that's why uh, politicians and, and iwi leaders need to be careful um, when they're sort of talking
0: about it and walking through it. And it was mm. interesting with Willie Jackson as well because it's sort of when you were talking to him about whether the uh, Māori caucus should be pulling their weight and really speaking out on this. And he was like, well, look, we're, you know, we've got to, we're in a coalition. We've got to kind of um, toe the line to a certain extent. So it was interesting to get his thoughts and insights
2: Yeah, and that's always that a tricky tightrope for any Māori MPs to walk, isn't it? It's sort of like, you know, um, where do the loyalties lie or where, you know, your hapu and iwi will think that it lies with them. Your party will expect it to lie with them. So you are having to sort of navigate that tightrope and it can be tough. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well look, this is the one year anniversary of this podcast Which is very exciting um, And we've just got a little snippet for you Of showing what they discussed on that very first podcast A year ago, so just before the election So have a look at this
2: Good morning, and welcome to the very first Inside Parliament, a weekly morning tea catch-up about politics and the events of the week. We'll call it a podcast. We'll call it whatever you want. We are going to chew the fat on politics, and boy, what a week to start! Katie Bradford, Andrea Vance, how are we this morning? Good form? Surviving yeah, the are week? We surviving, yeah, yeah running on adrenaline. <laughs> it is one of those <laughs> it's been weeks. Been like this for the next seven and a half. All right. Months. Well, let's go back to where it started uh, on Sunday, and um, as the person doing that interview, I have to say I was gobsmacked. Have you considered whether you should step
0: aside in the interest of
2: the party?
1: Yeah, again, look, I'd be lying to you if I said that I hadn't thought about that. That, uh, and I've in fact, spoken to senior colleagues about that.
0: Now, before we continue, we just want it noted that um, we absolutely would be eating the cake, but um, we just have no cutlery um, or plates or napkins, so um, we may just have little um, tries of it during it. So mm-hmm. you can just bear with us. But having a look back. Oh what a difference a year makes with all of that. Just and that moment of Andrew Little saying, Yep, yeah, I've been mm. thinking about it. That was it. That historic, was historic, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I, it will be really interesting to see what was to think what was going through Coran's head when he, yeah, when he heard but, that.
1: But, and you look back now, and you think, well, from Labour's point of view, what an amazing call! What mm. a big, what a big call for him to step down. You've got so many political leaders who hang on to the last second. You know, and now you look at their change of fortunes after so long in opposition. And now, he's a
0: minister. Now all no. these
1: guys, oh, and mm. all his colleagues, you know, their ministers. There's a you know a Labor coalition government in in, in place. Um, yeah, quite, and like from a journalist, quite an incredible year to be around here and see that mm. that change from National being such a slick, well organised government and then having all these newbies come in and sort of try and figure out how to how to run the show and being, you know, so so few of them had been ministers before.
0: Yeah, but I mean he had to because I mean yeah. looking at and back to, that's why everything in politics is cyclical. Back to the polling he wasn't doing mm. well and he took one for the team and I guess there were questions about whether it was the right timing for Jacinda Ardern and inevitably, it was. It was perfect timing. Yeah.
2: yeah, and like I mentioned before, you know, when when those um, poll numbers as um, a leader start to drop like that, and the cattle, uh, the um, um, people start rattling the cages around you, um, it was it was good for him, I think, in the long run. As we've seen now, now he's you know a minister and he's doing well. He's got a good portfolio, a very interesting one, um, yep. treaty negotiations in and, and that, um, and so it was a good decision
0: and. Uh, the but fortunes have changed. Mm-hmm. And look how things have changed, because back then when they were talking, they had a Māori party, we had United Future, um, we had a different Prime Minister, the Prime Minister hadn't announced her pregnancy. You know, like, there's a lot of... It, it's interesting to see back then what was... That now is just yeah. a given. We're almost a bit sick of talking about, you know, back at work and with the baby and things like that, because it's become almost normal in and, and this way. You know what I mean? Like, it almost becomes... Not a huge news story for us, so I don't know. I just think it's really interesting. Um,
1: yeah, incredible change in that. Yeah, since that interview.
0: Yeah, mm. and we should probably get out our crystal balls and be like, now what will we be talking about in a year well, from now? That might now? be fun. Yeah, we'll be we'll be a year out from an election in a year. I wonder if all the main players will still be there. We shall see how the polls go and we shall see how we go. Well, we're going to leave you to it um, mainly so we can go and have a little bit of cake. Um, But it's been great to have you with us on our first birthday and with our new team. That was Inside Parliament. It's our weekly catch-up of the political stories that we've been covering on the news. Some of us can't wait. Um, We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And it's available every Thursday evening on our One News Facebook page And check us out on your favourite podcasting app.